Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for May 28th of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHits.com. Um, so, <laughs> what what to talk about? <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh upset by the New York Islanders in six games. Their season is over. I thought that they had a pretty decent look at you know moving on and, and making some noise this year in the playoffs i happen to actually like their roster heading in but unfortunately not everybody on the roster felt the same way uh tristan jari it could fool me he could have been a sleeper agent for the new york islanders jari turned in one of the worst playoff performances of the last seven or eight years in fact i think it might be the worst one since 2014 and the Penguins were unable to overcome his dog shit play. Therefore, their season has ended. So this is the third consecutive first round exit for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it is the fourth consecutive series uh, that they've lost. The last three, all being to lower seeded teams, they very much should have beaten twice to the Islanders. Once to the Montreal Canadiens, who were the 24th ranked team in the league at the time. Um, It hasn't been a good stretch for Mike Sullivan and his teams in the playoffs. So here we are, another year down of the Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin era. You don't get any of these redos. Now what? (laughs) Well, that's the... That's the hard part now. Now what? Because they have some awkward and interesting decisions that they have to they have to make because they've got guys like this. This was a this was a well constructed roster. I quite liked the way the skaters were, were put together. I mean, very surprised to see that Cody Cece wasn't a tire fire. Um, Mike Matheson wasn't a tire fire, uh, which kind of made up for the fact that, you know, a guy like Marino didn't sort of blossom in advance the way I kind of hoped he would have into the sort of player like a <clears throat> a mini-me Chris Latang style of thing. All of those cheap guys that they had floating around on the fourth line, they're like RFAs now, so they're probably going to want to raise this... The, the point you made of there's no do-over, this is a prime example of a season where you don't get a do-over because there's so many contracts ending that the team will just be changed due to attrition. So I don't know where they go from here. Um, or or change just uh, because the, you have new GMs who have really only made one move, and quite frankly, the Jeff the- Carter move... <laughs> <laughs> is the reason the roster we like the roster because without him it isn't a very good roster as far as trying to be a cup contender that third line center had been a missing piece for so long and it just goes to show how important it is and when you put that in there everybody gets slotted appropriately to the point where you can be an effective team and Quite frankly, they were an effective team against the Islanders. I thought they played really well. Yes, they did. I think that's why this one, to me, hurts a little more than some of the others. 
So let's start with the super obvious with Tristan Jari. What did we say coming into the? Well, what did we say about a month out from the playoffs? If they get league average goaltending in the playoffs, they'll be fine. Did they get that, Ryan? No, they got the worst performance in like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Sherry Irving of, of Penn's blog had a tweet today that was really, um, he had a very nice graphic that showed uh, Penguins goaltending postseason since 2008, and, and it had it ranked by uh, goal saved above average expected. Mm. And oh wait, Fleury has to be on top of that, right? Absolutely, twelve point yeah. seven goals saved above expected, Jesus. and um, that it's not even close. Second place is Matt Murray in twenty sixteen seventeen at four point six. Now, um, what I will say about this stat that you have to keep in mind: the larger samples are going to be able to be higher or lower because you're playing more games. So of course. Flurry being a starter every game to a Stanley Cup final, playing amazing, Con Smythe worthy, that's where you get the 12.7, whereas um, Matt Murray in 2016-17 at 4.6, and I'm not claiming Matt Murray played better in that year than Flurry's 08 season because that was uh, the peak um, of him as a Penguin. Uh, but Matt Murray missed two rounds. Yes, he did. So, do you get what I'm saying? Playing, yeah, no, 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 I oh, know. So, need to so play, Fleury you was at 2.5 the first two rounds of 2016-17. Murray was 4.6 in the two rounds he played. So you combine them, they both played really well that year, obviously, and you're talking about seven if you made them one player, right? Where's the 2021? Well, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get there. I'm list? just I'm just putting it out there for context. What good <laughs> looks like, okay. I'm terrified now, of what negative this number is. Now, mind you, this is only six games, correct? Yeah. And I just said between Murray and Flurry, they're at like seven, a plus seven in 2016-17. So they both played really well, right? So a plus seven speaks to that. Tristan Jari. In only six games, was a minus 6.7. And that's only six games. And Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury combined for, I don't know, how many games were in that playoffs? 20-something? Yeah, something like that. And they played great, both of them? Negative 6.7 in six games. I I think it's interesting, this. It's like... Those playoff runs that Fleury blew, right, um, really, really effing sucked. But I think for me at the time, it was like, oh, there'll be a next year, there'll be a next year, because the whole team was so young, like the, the main parts yes. of the team was so young. So it felt like you could just, you know, rinse and repeat sort of scenario. They probably shouldn't have, and they probably should have moved on from Fleury. But this one hurt so much because, well... All of the main players of this roster are older to the point where they're running out the ends of their current long-term deals and they're about done. And you don't get to rinse and repeat every time. I mean, 
look at Malcolm for Christ's sake. The poor guy is finding it harder and harder to stay on the ice and was playing unhealthy. And you sit there and go, well, crap, is he going to be 100% for next year? And is he going to survive 82 games anyway? So I think for me, that's why this hurts as badly as Jerry played. I can't say that it's better or worse than the Fleury blowouts. Well, But uh, this one just hurts because... It's closer to the end of this era is probably where I'm headed. And as bad as Jari was this series, and I'm still pretty upset at him for that overtime mistake and just his overall play, he's only 14th out of 16 on this list. (laughs) I'm assuming the other two would be the two Fleury years, right? 2011-12, six games against the Flyers, minus 9.6. That's nuts. And then 09-010, when everybody thinks the Penguins got halocked, it was actually Fleury at minus 13.6. That's nuts. Or 13.6. I still, I still think they got halocked, but they got flurried at the same time, so you're not going to win in that scenario. Fleury is actually six out of his nine postseasons with the Penguins here, if I'm counting correctly, were in the negative. It's amazing. And then you look at how well he's done when he went to Vegas. It's just like... it's Five of which significantly negative. Yeah. But it's like Jekyll and Hyde in regards to who he is since he's left Pittsburgh. It's nuts. But this isn't the try to make Marco andre Fleury not out to not be No, I'm trying to put context into how bad Jari was. And the Penguins do have a recent history that we can compare it to of how bad it actually was. It was Marc-Andre Fleury 2010-13 to 13 bad. Yeah, and that's that's not what I'd call high-quality gear. So, so what do they do, though? What what do they do? I mean, anybody that's listened to this has obviously watched the games, saw the errors, saw how badly he played, has read articles, has watched you know, press conferences has heard the coach say, I don't think we, we were too small. I don't think we need to get bigger. Where do they go from are, here? Are you talking, where do they go, like goaltending or just overall? Overall, because okay. I don't think it's purely that position problem. Oh, it was that serious. It certainly was, but we knew there were still holes in the roster. Like, we know there are areas where they could they could get better. So it's like, how do they go about solving this? All or right. do you think it's that simple? It's just get somebody that's competent, league average competent in that position. I would look to move on from Tristan Jari because there's nothing that suggests he's an actual starter in the league. Yes, he made an all-star team. Yes, that was probably based on 20 games. He's wildly inconsistent in the same way that Flurry used to be. So if I'm going to hold it against Flurry all those years that it was a wild-ass roller coaster. I, I don't want to be on that ride anymore. And quite frankly, the Penguins can't afford to roll the dice on that kind of yeah. wild ride right now. So, in yeah. um, Jari, this isn't like a Carter Hart thing. Carter Hart had a horrible year, but he's like 21 years old or something close to that. Jari's 27 or something. Yeah, yeah he's going to be 27. Like th- We're not talking about a prospect here. We're talking about a guy that's already through his prime. He is what he is by this age is basically the argument. And, and he hasn't had a lot of NHL experience. So, like, that's why I was so dumbfounded at the $3.5 million deal. Like, who who were they, like, negotiating against? 
Anywho. Well, we're very good at negotiating against ourselves as a club. I've noticed that. All right, so you asked what can they do. Um, I think Linus Olmark of the Buffalo Sabres is a free agent. That would be something I would very much consider. I think you're looking at a, like a... Because his sample's not like overly uh, large, and, and, and his numbers aren't going to look great because of like the Sabres. You could probably get him in that $4 million range, and he'd probably be... Happier than a pig and shit to get out of Buffalo, anyways. But you, you see, and that, the thing that is an example is not a bad one for me in regards to. So why spend the extra money on someone? Because I don't think he's any better than Jerry. Um, he was nine seventeen on the Sabers last year, nine yeah. fifteen the year before. You know what I'm saying though? Like where do you where do you go to shore up that position? Because there are thirty one teams out there that know that it's an important it's this is a hard one to try and get right. Anti Ranta is another one. Yeah. I'm talking a mid tier free agent yeah. goalie, not because they don't need they don't need, you know, exceptional They need a veteran with need... some sample. I don't think Allmark quite fits that bill. He's only got 117, yeah. but Ranta. But then you run into Ranta's issue has been not being oh. able to stay um, on the ice. Like you yeah. said, his, his health has just not yeah. been where it needs to be. But Ranta, in almost 200 games, has a career save percentage of 919. That's that's really good. Do you sit there and wonder whether you can steal a Carolina goalie in free agency? Which one? Well, you've got Reimer and Mrazic that are UFAs, and they've been playing... I'm not going to get his name right. I can never read it as I'm trying to say Oh, yeah. Ned. Ned. You know? (laughs) Call him Ned. Nedeljkovic. (laughs) Hey, Ned. Yeah. Reimer, I don't know. He's a little long in the tooth. He is, but once I'm upon literally... a time, I would have said uh, for sure. And I mean, Mrazik's 29 as well. I, I, I guess I don't see the Reimer thing if you got to Smith. We're really, you're splitting hairs there, anyways. Yeah. Mrazik is more interesting. <clears throat> yeah. It's I just, yeah, can't work out. I can't work out where they can go to either get the same quality goaltending at a cheaper rate so they can put more money elsewhere into the roster. And the argument is you don't want that same quality of goaltending anyway because it was atrocious in six games. But that's the way he played through the year. He was up and down, up and down. And his averages for the season will probably turn out to be okay after an absolutely cratered start and a cratered end in the playoffs. So I I really do wonder whether the team wants him around as well. Think, like there are a couple of looks on Latang's face after I think it might have been the fifth goal, where it's like, oh okay, right, so that's not good. <laughs> They've all said the right things in public because what else are you going to say, including Mike Correct. Sullivan? And I felt bad for Mike Sullivan actually in the press conference because everybody's asking him about grit and toughness and, and all that shit, and he just can't like be like. Did you fucking see my goalie out there or what? <laughs> yeah. They, they have played the Islanders. That's, that's the reality. And they, 
and they they got goalied. I mean, it happens to teams. It, yeah. It, you know, I mean, poor old Tuka Rask gets shit canned in Boston because of one bad game seven. You know, and you have a look at what Tuka's doing in this playoff run. I would much rather get to a game seven and have that coin flip than not. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, goalie's something they'll have to really take a deep, hard look at. I think they will. Um, we can, of course, dive a lot deeper into this after I give a proper... I haven't done any off-season research, so um, anything I'm going to be saying is off the top of my head. So I think we'll we'll dive deeper into this in the in the future, but obviously goaltending is one thing. Another thing I think they need to really give a serious consideration to is moving on from Mike Sullivan. Because yeah, it feels like that to me as well. I think he's good. I think his tactics are fine. I think his team played really well in the first round. So why am I looking to get rid of him? Um, Because he is not flexible enough with his game management in the playoffs, and I think it costs them over and over and over again. He, He will just shoot the same lineup out there all the time. And while I totally respect the expected goals being really great, if you keep not being able to score years and years in a row and you're unwilling to load up lines in certain situations to try and break through, that's like coaching 101 at any what level. Are you doing? Yeah. Like, he's just rolling lines with no imagination. Uh, the Crosby Malkin not at five on five is fucking bullshit, and I'm so sick of it. And I think it's just fucking idiotic that he never uses it and oh by the way the one time it happened or i think it happened twice but the first time oh my god they scored wow would you look at that and here's the beautiful part about that malkin came out of the penalty box so i'm not even so sure sullivan wanted it to happen in that malkin just didn't go back to the bench after he saw who was on the ice oh no it was option b it certainly wasn't intentional and they scored, and then they did it one time. Sullivan just did it one time the rest of the series when they were struggling. Well, that's they scored three in game six. They weren't struggling to score, but they were down two, and he's still rolling the lines. And part of the depth of this team is that you can load up and still run three lines and, and cut your bench, Right? He seemed very reluctant to cut his bench. I know, ever. and it's ridiculous. And it's I find it really, really odd. It's like it's almost like he coaches this is gonna sound funny coming from me because I I find numbers really it's like he coaches by the numbers. Right? So he's got no situational awareness in regards to oh shit, this player's flying. How about we get him on the ice for a couple of extra minutes? A period and see what he can come up with magic wise there doesn't seem to be any of that human element in regards to the way he coaches i thought dan bilesma was... did very good job of that kind of stuff yeah had his own I, flaws I, but 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you've got a team like this that is is top heavy and, and has been for a while. It's like you kind of do have to ride your horses at the most important time at times of the year. Um, you don't want them riding the horses, you know, between games 20 and 28 or something like that in the regular season. But when you're getting towards the end and you're, you know, you need you need to be able to go right. Well, we need Sid and Geno to play 22 minutes tonight because we have to win this game. That's just the, the reality of playoff hockey. And he's or, or keep them at that. 18 and maximize their time by putting together. them together. Yeah. So it it is one of those situations where the the it feels like the positives of the way he coaches and the systems that he has in regards to what he does don't necessarily tend themselves to do well when playoff hockey comes around and the whistles get put away and therefore you can't just keep rolling them over and over and over because you don't get enough chances to have your best players out there yeah it's um I'm sure people are, you know, tired of me saying that one over and over again, but I just don't, know, I don't know how you can ignore it. So, Boudreaux, Boudreaux, Boudreaux. <laughs> I know. Before we get to that, uh, <laughs> but I just want to highlight how easy it would be with the depth that they had, right? Well, this Crosby, year Malkin, was much Gensel. easier to do it the last year, absolutely. Crosby, Malkin, Gensel. You do it coming off a penalty kill because none of them kill penalties. You do it off a of TV timeouts. You do it at the end of periods. Very easy. Well, what if they have to come back with a line? Well, that's the great thing about Jeff Carter. He can now play with McCann and Rust. That's really functional. Well, then what? How do you buy time for Crosby and Malkin to split again? Well, that's even easier. You have that fourth line that eats minutes. That's the whole point of it. You keep the Bluger line together, you throw them out there, and then you play, you know, you could even have one short shift of the mishmash, whatever's left over. What is it? Zucker, Goudreau, and uh, Kapanen? Let Goudreau center it, because he can. And then you roll back normal. Yeah, it's not complicated. You're absolutely... You wouldn't even have to go four deep, because no. you would just, at that point, you would... You know, roll the the big dog, the three headed, the three headed monster. <laughs> um, I, it's just so simplistic. And Jeff Carter really changed the dynamic to to where you could do that more often. So, you know, I'll I'll leave it at that. And it's in the other choice. And I just want to make it clear. I'm I'm not really mad that Sullivan started Jari in Game Six. I I, I do understand why he did that. M- Max Legacy has 18 NHL games and was an 876 in those games. So I don't. Let's not pretend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there was a great option there. Now, when they get three separate leads and blow them all. See you the fuck later, Jari. The legacy can't do any worse. And they took a timeout and they left him in there. So that was a really head scratcher for me. Not that he started him, but that he just stuck it through. But that 
that probably highlights the refusal the to... The rigidness of everything. Yes, yeah, correct. Absolutely. What a I piece think... of shit Legacy's got to feel like. Like, what do I got to do to get in here? This guy's fucking <laughs> ruining the year. How bad am I? <laughs> You're that bad, Max. You're that bad. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Uh, oh, that's pretty brutal. Not Jesus. even getting an NHL paycheck because they're, they're not paid in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. That is brutal. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, you, you brought it up, so uh, let's go there. Uh, there are coaching... The, the, the beautiful thing about going out early is if you want to make a coaching change, all the options are still available to you. That's true. And I still... I have that little dream where you get Bruce Boudreaux's coaching style and philosophy to run with these horses before they wrap up but it won't happen i don't think it'll happen but yes we've spoke before bruce boudreau would be my number one choice because he's got a long track record of being highly successful in multiple different places um what has always held him back (laughs) penguins fans aren't going to want to hear this (laughs) goaltending so Gerard Gallant would be another choice of mine. Yeah. I'm not even so sure the Penguins will, will even make a change. Although yeah. I will say Mike Sullivan saying that we didn't lose because we weren't big enough is a direct shot to his big boss, Brian Burke. I think he's right, though. He is right. He's, he's yeah. 100% correct. And I actually very much appreciate him standing his ground for what he believes is the right makeup of the team. Um, he, he's, he should have 100% said what he said, and I'm, I'm glad he did, even though I'm kind of pushing him out the door. Um, yeah. Gallant's another option. He's had some interviews with the Rangers. He's obviously looking for work. Um, he's had a good track record um, as well. If they move on from Mike Sullivan, I've got some bad news, Penguins fans. It's not going to be them, because why the fuck wouldn't it be Mike Babcock? (laughs) (laughs) It's so sad. You know it. You know it. Oh, he won gold medals with Sid. The way that went in Toronto has to be enough to have him never coach in the league again. No. Oh. He's so bad on TV, though, too. Well, actually, TV, that's another thing. Well, Why are we just getting retreads? Anyway. Um, we can save that for another day. That's a good, good absolutely, absolutely. The dog days of the off-season. Um, I just, yeah. If they went that route, I'd rather stay with Sullivan. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> you know? Mike, Babcock's, Mike Babcock sucks. And he's a dickhead. Yeah. He hasn't done shit it's... since Nick Lidstrom retired. Team Canada. Okay. Let's say Mike Babcock is a successful coach. I don't want to watch his fucking dog shit brand of hockey. No. He took Team Canada and made him unwatchable almost. How do you even do that? You Babcock it. <laughs> so fuck him. And the horse he rode in on, I don't want anything to do with him. But 
if the Penguins made a change, there's no doubt he'd be in the conversation. Yeah, okay, so you say that, and I go, you've got you've got Brian Burke, who... Well, he yeah, is American, and maybe there's some... But maybe that'll one, be the saving grace. Yeah, well, actually, he was the G, he was a part of the GM crew that built that 2010 team, right? Burke was is American. Yeah, that's what I mean. Wasn't he a part of building the American team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yes, he should hold a grudge and not, not hire him. Absolutely he should. Perfect. Yes, correct. But it's like, I just, I try to think it through and Babcock hopefully isn't the type of coach that those two want well here's because we <laughs> you kind of can't discount that Hextel's gonna get a big say in this as well it's not all just Burke no I agree would you like the next option please I don't know if I do want it but please I don't think it'll happen because the guys ran his mouth against the Penguin Stars forever mm. But I believe Brian Burke did hire him for Olympic coach, and he is recently available. Former Columbus Blue Jackets coach John Tortorella. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (sighs) This is the thing that's terrifying with having two... I'm just going to call them both GMs. They're not. but Two people that make decisions that haven't been around for very long yes they've had you you know what brian burke thinks hockey should be right truculent so there's always that fear of him really trying to push the team down that path that ron hextel didn't build you know the flyers in la that way so i don't know what to expect here yeah there's a there's a lot of unknown especially given the combo platter of both of them they are kind of oil and water in regards to how they look at how a hockey team should be built which is i think is a good thing but it leaves you with no clue in regards to what the fuck's gonna happen well i'll say this they're one move pretty damn good so far so correct so it's not like i can get there and sort of say to them in this pittsburgh oh my god these guys don't know what they're doing it's just they've got a couple of tough decisions. Like your goalie and your coach are obviously very important. I, I'm more they... I'm more willing to stick with Sullivan than Jari, and yeah. I'm only really looking to move on from Sullivan if it's someone like Boudreau or Gallant. Otherwise, I'm fine. As much as I am going to be fine keeping Sullivan, I think his playoff coaching has been underwhelming as far as the adjustments. So there's that. There the, and and those three playoff runs where there was a lack of adjustment are very easy to highlight to say we let him go because it's you know we're at the end of this era we're at the end of this and you're not getting results correct it's, it, it is very easy to get there and say this team's about winning Stanley Cups and we've been knocked out in the first round the last three rounds he's a successful coach we need a change of direction for that time of the year it's a really easy one to justify I don't think this year, of course, uh, even more so that the the goaltending, of course, like you can't ignore it. I don't think Mike Sullivan had a bad series, but when you know your goalie's playing like shit, you gotta do something, and he sat on his hands. It's almost 
I wonder whether he got there. Well, I can't be to blame for this. My backup goalie was injured. I had a, a disgraceful backup, and my goalie just shat the bed. Like, what else am I supposed to do? Well, that's all valid. Done. But the things he could have done are what we already discussed. Yeah, and and, and there was no flexibility. Anyway, yeah, it's it's one of the few off seasons where this probably gets interesting for Pittsburgh. So. Good. This is kind of where I, I think I was headed anyways. Uh, do not overreact to the horrible goaltending. Try and run it back the best you can. Of course, there's an expansion draft. They're going to lose somebody. Honestly, I don't even care who it is. Because everybody's so worried about like losing Bluger or losing... Tanev or what it's like who cares god if you lost Tanev that would save them some pain like, I thought Tanev had a really good year and he I did. think we've been pretty straightforward that he's not Jack Johnson and that he was going to be effective at what he does and he was but it's 3.5 million he's not he is what he is which has a, has a role but how many guys are fast and can forecheck that are around every offseason for a million dollars? Yep. As is the issue there. So um, I'm going to pull up cap friendly as, as we're going here because I'm going to... Seattle can nick Matheson. That's who they can steal. They can be dumb and they can do that. Yeah, I don't see anybody... In that front office, that's really stupid, though. No, 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 no. You're right, though. In regards to your in regards to your thought process of yeah, they can nick anyone. That it makes it makes sense because anywhere they take out of that range that is going to be exposed right. isn't going to. I have the list. The makeup of the team. Your forwards: Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Kapanen, McCann. Carter. That's my personal... That's who I would protect. That leaves Zucker, Tanev, Aston Reese, Bluger. And to that I say, okay. Yeah. Like, in all things considered, are you really taking a huge hit in expansion? And my... I don't think you are. Like, you can overcome that. As far as defense, Latang, Dumoulin, and um, I guess it doesn't even matter past that. No, anybody else? Think Patterson, I guess, because somebody Marino does not need to be protected. That's why I'm not mentioning him. Um, you leave Matheson out there. Cody Cece's probably gone anyways because he had a he had a to say, prove me wrong. He he had a and good me. Didn't do it. You so Ricola. Bizarre contract that one. <laughs> I don't understand a goddamn thing about anything that has to do with him. But anyways, and then I leave uh, Tristan Jari exposed. Yeah. At this point. See if you can lose the 3.5 million and put it toward. Like, if you got rid of Tanev's 
3.5 mil and Jari's and turned it into a goalie? Is that really the, that's probably a pretty good idea. Well, it's 7 mil for the position. I'm like, they don't need to use all that either. Perhaps not, but my point is I was trying to help you so you could get your favorite player back. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Flurry. Now, what if this... what if Flurry, he's in a game seven tonight. What if he pitches the shutout and the Vegas Golden Knights keep going on? And they're like, well, I guess everybody loves Flurry. What if we trade Laner? <laughs> One can dream. Um, well, actually, I hadn't considered that. But it would be very interesting to see what happens. I mean... I don't think Dubala particularly likes Fleury as a goalie. I think he quite rightfully doesn't trust him, and we all know why that should be the case with Fleury. I don't know. This uh, year he's a Vesna-caliber goalie. I have no yes. problem praising Fleury when he's playing great. No, he's no, had a I, fucking great year. Yeah, but he had a great year when they were bouncing backwards and forwards between the two goalies, and I always think that f- the, the load on Fleury is always the thing that did him in. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as he's gone back to being the starter and the guy, he's had a couple of games with the Wild where I'm like, oh, God, don't do this again. And he didn't quite. So maybe he's got it sorted out. But now they've got way too much money sitting in their goaltending position for them to be able to move forward next year. They are going to have to do something there. Correct. So I didn't mean to get off on an expansion or a flurry thing. So... But I just I did want to bring up expansion in the sense that they're gonna lose a player. Yeah. They shouldn't make moves with Seattle to avoid it because anybody they lose they can they can overcome it. Even a Bluger who I very much respect as the fourth line center, but what we are still talking about is a fourth line center. Is a fourth line center. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if they take Zucker, okay. I, and I want to say a few things about Zucker. I do not think he had a good year. And I don't think him and Malkin were really a good duo. I don't think he's a bad player. And quite frankly, I think he's going to have a better year next year. I'm not on, I'm not on the bandwagon of get rid of Zucker at all costs. I think there's still a player there that can be useful. Um, I thought he started to do more positives as, as the series went on. Um, just stop playing him with fucking Malkin. That's another Sullivan thing. The rigidness. Yeah. Just fucking change it up. Hey, Jake Gensel was really awesome with Evgeny Malkin, but you can't ever, like... Anyways, so that's the segue <laughs> to the next one. That's the segue to Jake Gensel, who's taken a ton of shit from people that don't understand on-ice save percentage or shooting percentage. And I'm really sick of having this fucking conversation every freaking year. He was not even close to being bad in this series. Oh, I know. Like, not even close. And I'm trying to find the stats that I came up with for it. And I forget when I posted them. <laughs> no, Gensel wasn't bad. Got That's it, the thing. Got it. I think the skaters on the ice skated well. They just got goalied. Like, 
Jake Gensel's not a playoff player. We need somebody tougher, and I hear Matt Kachuk bullshit out there. Uh... Are we fucking forgetting that he led the the fucking playoffs and goals when they won a Stanley Cup with 13? Yes. yes. So what here's have you some, done for me lately, buddy? Here's some stats for you, people. At five on five, the high danger shot attempts per 60 when he's on the ice in 2017 was 9.88, which is, it's fine. He shot 20%. <laughs> this year when he played like complete shit per some the high danger shot attempts per 60 15.44 versus 9.88 that's a significantly higher number he was getting high danger looks or his line was getting high danger looks when he was on the ice his shooting percentage this year was zero <laughs> So what are we really doing here? And are we really going to pretend that Jake Gensel cannot score goals? Are we really going to go down that road? Sounds like it. It's maddening. Oh, and here's the other thing. Good luck having that conversation with Sidney Crosby. Who are you trading him for, though? I know you... The person gave Nobody, because he stays on the fucking team. The only trade you make is maybe you bump him to the Malkin line once in a blue moon. I just... It's a pathe- uh, it's pathetic. And anybody who... <sighs> says those things... <laughs> do not... Let me get mad over it during this podcast. You at home... Be stress-free. Don't engage with it. Don't think about it. Just push it to the side because it's not worth it. It's garbage. It's just it's just silly. And I, I mean, what can, think about it in the context of like you know we've got our asses kicked out of the playoffs. Like, well, what's St. Louis going through? They lost four zip, right? But they played Colorado, who are ridiculously awesome. It's like these postmortems are always spoken on emotion and it, they're always those things where it's like that's just dumb why are you saying x because one player x had a bad six game stretch but Ginsel wasn't bad but that's the thing the perception of him being pushed off the puck and blah 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 yet for some reason they were able to get into those high danger areas against a team yeah. that's supposedly known for not letting that happen. Now, just out of curiosity, this isn't why they lost, but I know it didn't help. Can, can, are we ever going to get away from the fact that there's two sets of rules once you... There's a different set of rules once you make the playoffs? Like, are we ever going to get away from that? No. <sighs> I do think, and I saw something... This In the last few days, I saw Stephen A. Smith going off on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl for not getting out of the first round and being swept. Stephen A. doesn't know anything about hockey. He knows that. He plays the bit up. But here's the thing. On ESPN, you're going to have a lot more people hearing about hockey, whether it's through somebody knowledgeable or through Stephen A. Smith. And here is what I think has a greater than 0% chance of happening. 
Stephen A. Smith is used to basketball where star players drive the success. I don't think you'll ever quite have that similar thing in hockey just because of the sheer numbers of players and the amount of ice time that people can have versus a bit of LeBron who can play, what, 40 out of 45 minutes or whatever? Yeah, be 40 out of 48, something like that, yeah. Oh, fuck you, whatever. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right. But if Stephen A. Smith starts seeing the stars get mangled and no penalties being called, you might get him going on some of these rants, and those rants might gain traction. Hopefully. Like, it's not that far-fetched that Stephen A. Smith or somebody like him at ESPN will drive the penalty conversation better than any hockey person ever could. Because it's an outsider being like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Yeah. Yep. And somebody with a lot of clout clout as far as viewership and um, you'll get casual fans now that he's talking about hockey that might tune in. And then, you know, it becomes a larger conversation because even – the non-diehard fans are are talking about it, so that's that's my hope. Yeah. Like oh, I don't know what to tell you nice. if you're looking to Stephen A. Smith for legit analysis on hockey. Yeah, I mean it's the thing though. It's not about that. It's the whole thing. Let about, him have his bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's the whole it's the whole thing about going to ESPN though is exactly that. It's the it's the different voices on that on that network that will have people go oh. He's talking about hockey. And if he does it in a ranty way and... Uh, and he did. Yeah, and a, and a sub-knowledgeable way at that, um, it doesn't matter. Because if you get people suddenly paying attention to the sport and then all of a sudden you do get that groundswell of what the F is going on, maybe, just maybe, there might be a change of direction somewhere down the line. Who knows when... But I would hope by the time I die, I get to see the superstars treated like such and can go out and just display their talents in a competitive framework that doesn't have them get killed. Absolutely. So speaking of superstars, a lot of talk about Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang only having one year left on their deal. What happens after that? I don't know. Sign them? (laughs) You don't sign them. It's done. This era's done, and you don't have any promises of being shitty and then returning to being good again. Correct. Just write it out. What are you... It's not like Melkin's going to get $9.5 million again. So actually, you know what I would find interesting with that is, like, both Melkin and Latana 34 now, they can't sign their extension until the start, well... Until they're in their last year, right? They are in their last year officially as of right now. Right, so... July 1, sign it at age 34. I don't know if it counts as a 35-plus contract or not. See? You know exactly where I was heading with that. (laughs) I don't know know if you can technically sign it at 34. I think it's when the contract starts, probably. Okay. You knew where I was headed, (laughs) what I was trying to do here with the year, so... Let's be honest. That's nonsense. It doesn't even matter because Malkin will have a Marion Hosa rash or whatever, and they'll just do what everybody else does and cheats if it came to it. Now, what I am going to say is I saw 
a locker clean-out day was today with the players, so a lot of players talked. And Chris Letang spoke, and I'm trying to find his exact quote, but if I can't, I will just paraphrase it. He said something along the lines of, he and Malkin and Sid all want to retire Penguins. And I don't, like, I don't, make that happen. I don't doubt him for a second when he says that. I think he's being genuine. So Chris, you can't ask for seven point two five million again, even though that contract was amazing and you're probably vastly underpaid. Gino, you can't do nine point five million. Are we really so sure that they? Are we yeah. really so sure that they would ask for that? It, it'll be interesting because if they want us, if the three of them want to stay together and still win, they're going to have to take less because the other parts of the roster are going to have to do more. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. And it'll be curious to see whether they they do that. or Because if they do go and just go, oh, we'll do 9.5 again for another four years and 7.25 for another four years, yeah, you can't. then I don't they think can't. it will be for four years. I don't know. Do it for three I would even go three. I don't care. I'm, I would to... rather them stay together and see them ride it out on their terms than to move on from Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. Really? Yeah. I know. What do you What do you think you're gonna get? Cap space, buddy. Cap oh, space. Oh, great. It's yeah, for what? That's exactly right. Now, what I will say is that. If you keep Malkin and Latang, you do have to change some things up, maybe. And maybe the two-headed monster becomes a full-time thing. Where they play together at even strength, instead of both doing their own lines. Chris Latang no longer playing 25 minutes a night. you got to dial him back, because he did show some um, cracks in the armor this year as far as driving play. So the days of running Latang into the ground, I think, are closer yeah. to the end than maybe even Malkin. But Chris Latang is a workout freak, and I, f- I fully believe he will be a very competent, useful, at least middle-pairing defender into his twilight. I mean, look at Zdeno Char. He's still going. I know they're not the same body type, but how Chris Letang trains and treats his body is as good as anybody in the league. Yeah. yeah I'm not worried about him falling off a cliff. I'm not really worried about Melkin falling off a cliff unless his body doesn't hold up. All right? I, I, I can't see Letang suddenly losing his ability to do what he does with the puck. I don't see Malkin suddenly losing his ability to do what he does with the puck. Malkin, for me, it's just, it's please just stay in one piece. That's all. And I don't care if they pay him freaking $9.5 million again for another three years to watch him as long as we get the three years out of his body. That's the thing that worries me with Gino, is, is having him on the ice for those games. So I do have the Latang quote. Me, Gino, and Sid want to finish as Penguins. We truly believe in ourselves. We think we have a lot to offer. That's what we want, but it's not up to us. 
You know what? All of what they've done for this franchise, leave them together and just see where the chips fall. You're never going to get these three again. Why would you rush it? Why would you rush to end it? Well, let's get it. the thing that's interesting there is that is going to come down to the ownership group, really. It's not going to be the general managers. That's literally going to be a funny, it'll be a cold, hard cash decision, that one. And I don't know if I don't trust the owners to get a little tight with their pennies. Yeah, I mean, that's all valid, but I, I just, I'm putting out my thought on it that I am not moving on from them after next year oh i agree i look i think that these three players have shown enough that they can be more than just serviceable if they hit 40 which is six years away right i mean there's a lot of variables at play but if there are players that could do it usually the players that are above and beyond in the top tier of their positions are the ones doing that Crosby and Malkin, certainly. Letang, I, I think so, too. Probably underappreciated throughout his career. He won't, he won't be a, a... He hits 38. He's not going to be a number one defenseman. He'll be, like you said, a really good mid-tier, mid-tier defenseman who can run a power play unit. Like, it, it, it buys the club time to restock the cupboard and come up with a couple of a couple of second round draft picks that come out of nowhere and turn into a crystal yeah, Tanner that, or Jake Gensel. There it is. Buys them time to do a soft rebuild. And give the fans something they like. Yeah. As a right, business is... decision, keeping those guys around is smart. You can almost do a New York Rangers style rebuild. Yeah, because there's no guarantee that you end up with... Like, just look at Edmonton. Just look at the stupid lottery. Yeah, that's sort of what I mean. The thing is, though, even even if you are terrible for, like, four years in a row, there is no guarantee that there is a generational player in those four years. Yeah, Alex Lafreniere looked like dog shit every time I watched him. Capo Caco... Like, the Rangers' rebuild should actually be going way better. To no fault of their own. Yeah. Because if they had a number one pick and a number two pick, you know what it could have been? Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Correct. Instead, it's Alex Lafreniere and Capo Caco. You want and you you want to try and accumulate as many draft picks in the top two rounds across as many drafts as you can because you literally trying to shoot fish in a barrel, you just don't know how big that fish is that's going to come out of it. That's the reality, because there's no guarantee that you're going to get a, a Crosby uh, or a Nail Yakupov. Or if you think about Ryan it... Ryan Nugent Hopkins or... Jordan Stahl. Think about how high he was up in the draft. Like, imagine if he was the pick that they got in the Crosby. You know what I mean? Like, that can happen. Like, Stahl's been a serviceable player, but he's not a top three pick. In regards to what he can do... He is in your heart. Oh, he is, yes. That's absolutely <laughs> right. But you can't... Like like the Nugent Hopkins and Stahl thing, that's, that could happen to your club. I mean, you look at what's happening... And that's even assuming you even win a lottery 
to get up that high, how convoluted it is. Yeah, they've made it really hard. You might as well just keep a hard cap and let anybody pick who they want. Oh, getting point. rid of the draft, yes. I believe we've talked about that before. Yeah. Anyway. So, you know, it's it, Michael Blake McCurdy's gold points yes. are less convoluted and complicated it's beautiful than what they've done to the it. draft now. It's like, Jesus Christ. Anyway. Uh, conversation for another day. Yes, but having those guys run the run the string all the way out until they decide they want to retire um, would allow Pittsburgh to still have quite a large volume of fans in the venue because who's not going to want to go and watch those guys play out the string? Even if it's nostalgia. Yeah. They should all retire Penguins. And they should all have their jerseys put in the rafters. And yes, that includes Latang. I feel very strongly about that. Yeah, absolutely. He's the best defenseman in the franchise's history. I know Paul Coffey, but when you talk about sample size and, be, and being excellent, it's tough to. You can't ignore Chris Latang. He's the best. And he's number well, 58. Please. Nobody wants to wear 58. <laughs> Just let him fucking have it up there. Because it, it should be 66, 68, 71, 87, 58, and I think 21's Michelle Briere's number. Yes. They should, be the num- they should be the numbers that are up there. I would even be fine if they put Fleury up there just because, whatever, I don't care. He's going to he's gonna make the Hall of Fame when he doesn't have any business being close to it anyways. <laughs> I mean, we... We went through the numbers of his playoffs <laughs> earlier in the podcast. They fucking stink. Outside Actually, of a few... I, I will ask you this. His playoff numbers since he's gone to Vegas have been good to great, right? Uh, the, the first year, great. So far this year, great. I can't remember. I don't think great when they blew their fucking 3 nothing series lead no. in San Jose. Correct. Like I said, good to great. I don't think he was terrible through those and I sit there and I wonder if he runs out his tether playing in this good to great I'm just curious to see how it, the perception of him changes because there is a substantial percentage of people the, the like, people who matter for the Hall of Fame are already on board with him so um, it's, yeah it's already happening for me, yeah for me it's more a matter of I've, I think I said this on the podcast before I'm curious in regards to whether he can drag his his career Pittsburgh numbers up with how well he's played in Vegas to get them to a point where it does his statistical numbers don't look egregious for him to be in there. Well, to your point, the first year in Vegas, he was 927, which is a sliver under his 933 from the 0708. So another tremendous season in the playoffs. The next two years were 909 and 910. Which is career flurry. <laughs> and his career is 9-12 off the top of my head. No, it's yeah. 9-13. Sorry. Um, those are not bad numbers. Not great. But this year it's 9-35 through only six games. But he is, again, putting up a quite a quite a playoff round. And it begs the question, if Flurry's at 9-35... What the hell are the Vegas skaters doing? They're not scoring. Minnesota. Have you Cam watched any Talbot. of their, Have you watched any of their games? Yeah, I try to catch them. Yeah, they they are getting 
goalied as in they're getting Sorokin'd. <laughs> Talbot's yeah. just playing out of his skin. He, he really is. Like, both goalies are playing exceptionally well. And and that's that's the, the... I think... You know what? That's probably the thing that annoys me the most with the Penguins, with the Islanders series, is that if they'd got beaten in six and both goalies had played their lights out, you go, yeah, sure, that's fine. But this wasn't that. <laughs> oh, this one really annoys me. This loss. So that 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 game sevens tonight. So I look forward to watching that. Yeah, a couple of hours away. Um, as we focus on the obituary for the Penguins, have have we left anything off here? No, no, no. The the, the next. The coaching thing will be very interesting to watch because as soon as Pittsburgh start thinking about or start calling around, if they do that, there's no hiding that. So Sullivan will, you know, we'll have to, we'll just have to start looking for another job. He'll get hired again though. No, this isn't a Mike Sullivan sucks take. No. This is just everybody has a shelf life. Every coach, every great coach moves on. Scotty Bowman, kind of on his own terms, mostly, but <laughs> Joel Quinville is with Florida, right? Yeah. Bruce Boudreaux, even though he's without a Stanley Cup, great success with the Capitals, the Ducks, and who thought he would have that run with the Minnesota Wild, really? Yeah. Um, these no, coaches just... move on. Mm. So, you know, John Cooper, there will come a time when the Lightning probably move on from him. Or maybe he's the exception because they've just been so damn good. But Well, can, well Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. Nashville, Washington, the Islanders. This stuff happens. Yeah, doesn't mean true. Mike Sullivan is bad. That's not at all true. At least in my opinion. So, yeah. Um... They didn't just re-sign him as a coach, did they? Like, yeah, they did, year? but whatever. Yeah. You don't have to worry about paying him if he takes another job. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that rule. Yeah, Mike look, Sullivan seems like the kind of guy that would want work. Yeah. Boudreaux up, please. Come on. I had a beer with last... old Brucey the day after he won the Jack Adams at the Roger Nielsen Coaches <laughs> Clinic. <laughs> which was sponsored by Molson, and my school district sent me there. <laughs> that was great. Bruce came in, fucking... The, the day after, you could probably tell he had a long night of celebrating. Did a whole wonderful presentation on the Capitals' power play and how they worked to get Ovechkin open. And then after, we just uh, go to the hotel and... Molson just brings in tubs and tubs of beer. <laughs> and, you know, the beautiful part about that coach's clinic, and I haven't been there since then, um, this is back in 08. Oh, Jesus. And he's just another guy there. He's just shooting the shit with whoever because everybody's just there. Uh, whether you're a coach of the year in the NHL, someone like myself, anybody in between. Um, you just hang out and, and have a good time. In fact, I went out, I think me and my buddy, yeah, we did. We were going back into the hotel, and Elliot Friedman and Dave Reed were walking out, and they're like, where are you going? 
were like in there. They're like, nope. And we got in their cab and we hung out with them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was a funny, funny night. <laughs> Hang out with Bruce earlier and then Elliot Friedman later. <sighs> the new Bob father. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, it's frustrating to watch another Crosby Malkin team bounce in the first round, especially after COVID and everything. You, you, for entertainment purposes, you'd like to see um, a longer run. I thought they deserved a longer run. Got to throw it to Ilya Sorokin. Um, didn't think the Islanders as a team were really all that good. Matt Barzell didn't even do anything, and they won the series. So you can... Which they should feel very good about then. The fact that they got to the second round and no, Barzell hasn't feel good about done what? anything yet. The fact that he's that, got that room to be better. Is gonna... No, no, no. They've got, they're going to need Barzell to be good, right? So it's not like Barzell went there and torched the Penguins and they only just sort of scraped by sort of thing. They didn't. Like, they only won because the goalie. They didn't yes, do anything that well. In, they're in the second round now and Barzell should theoretically, if you're hockey related, be motivated to prove that he's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Let's get out of here before I make you angrier. Nah, I'm good. I, I, I'm actually... <laughs> I sound angrier than I am. I'm pretty indifferent after all these years. Yeah, it gets It's almost way, like it? not tying your personal mental health into a sports team is good. Yeah, but that only came to me with age. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I come strong with my opinions in the blogs and on here because I feel like that's more entertaining and, and better than being milk toast and vanilla with it. But I, you know, it's been a while since I've been like upset about the penguins. Um, even throughout all the criticisms of Rutherford and stuff, that's, that's just part of the gig. Mm-hmm. I'm not really <laughs> thinking about it all the time <laughs> or anything. like no, that. No, it's not, it's not, it's not eating you up. No. So, um, I guess we'll end there. We'll be back. Long off season. Lots to talk about. There's TV stuff that I think we want to talk about. There's goaltender stuff we want to talk about. Do we and, want to uh, talk about goaltenders? I really. <sighs> yeah, we'll see. No, we will. Um, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roster stuff, expansion draft, tons of stuff to come. Uh, do want to thank everybody for. Is this the seventh year? I believe so. I. I I don't know when the official end of uh, Hockey Hurts season is. I, I don't know if it's when the Penguins lose or if it's July uh, okay. 1 is the first one. I have no idea we, how it works. We have, a, we have a break where everything goes dark. And, Summertime, yeah. Yeah, and then we get there and whatever happens after that break, that is the start of Season 8. So I <laughs> guess we'll be in Season 7 for a little while longer. But I do want to say thank you to everybody who, who tunes in and listens to us just blather on about uh, Penguins and other stuff uh, yeah. for the season. It's it's always a pleasure to to do this for everyone, and um, you know, ended earlier than we wanted, but so be it. Yeah. But we will uh, for... go right ahead. I was gonna say thanks for sticking by because we were a bit irregular this year. It all sort of chopped and changed and bounced around, but um, somebody has children who have lives, and uh, and then I end up. I end up buying a house and everything just changes after that. So 
thanks for dealing with the choppiness of the scene. And even through all that, the time zone's probably the toughest thing. Oh, yeah, we can work that out. I just have to be up too early and I can't do it drunk. That's the hard part. <laughs> uh, time zones. All right. We, uh, <laughs> we will catch you on the next episode, and thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye.